have a bit of a cold today, so I have to apologize if my voice is kind of raspy. But uh, today we are going to jump ahead, and we are looking at the uh, best investment of your life. And this is the third installment, all right? And so this will be the conclusion of this series uh, and stuff. And today I want to take the time to actually uh, look at a different angle that we've been looking. And this one I want to use, I want to show you how you can use your time wisely. So it's about how we live our life, basically, okay? And we will spend some time in the First Timothy scripture again because um, I'm known for, like, when I make salsa, right, and I've got the, the lines, I just squeeze every little bit out. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to squeeze some more out of the scriptures to see what God would have for us. Now, I always like to start by opening in prayer and inviting somebody called the Holy Spirit which is God's presence here. So if you bow your heads, I'm going to do that right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are so faithful. I thank you that you're here, and, and I invite you to come even more, Lord. And I, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help my lungs to be able to uh, put the words out, Father, that you've put in my mind and my heart. And that you, Father God, would move. You brought, I believe you brought each person in here, Father God. And Lord, I ask that you would just zero out the distraction so that they can focus on you. Father God, I can talk a thousand words, but one touch from you makes all the difference in the world. And so Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you move amongst your people? Would you touch them in that way that they need to be touched? Allow them to know that you see them, that you care about them, that you love them. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Come even more. Open us up. And I give you this time, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been looking at the Apostle Paul's writings, right? And we have been in 1 Timothy. And so in this scripture that I've been bringing to you, I want to look at it one more time, right, to give it another squeeze. And I want to spend a little bit more time there. I just want to bring it all back together, what we've been talking about. And uh, you have it on your outlines, right? Uh-huh, okay. And those of you watching online, you can access your outline right there, okay? Uh, right by a button, wherever you are. All right, and so what I want to do is I want to read this over again, and I want to highlight a few things that I'm seeing that I think that the Lord wants me to communicate to you. First is, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, command, which is tell you guys, right? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth which is uncertain but to put their hope in god who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment and then he goes on and he says it again command them to do good to be rich in goodness good deeds and to be generous and willing to uh, share in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold i like this take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, I just sped through that bad boy, didn't I? Woohoo! <laughs> right? There's a lot of words there, and we can read it really fast and go, okay, 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 and think we got it. But what I have found that what God does in my life, and I don't think I'm any different than you, if I slow down and I really look at what he's saying, he can speak to my inner, inner person, you know? And, stuff. and that's what I believe he wants to do. He wants us to slow us down a little bit. So let's look at this again. I want to show you something. I want to show you that this world, uh, this says this present world, 
and it's tied down to take hold of the life that is life. You see, this present world that the Apostle Paul is talking about, he's talking about those that are rich. He's talking about us. Because if you remember, I taught you that those of us who are rich, and that's everybody in this room, we live in America and we're the top 1% of the wage earners in the world, right? You might not feel rich, but you are compared to that. And those of us that have Jesus Christ as our Savior, he was rich, yet he made himself poor so that he, you know, he could come and be with us, and he gave us his richness. And so we are indeed rich people. So this scripture is talking to us, but it, it uses this terminology, present world, right? It, those of you who are rich in this present world, like you almost want to say, well, Apostle Paul, what are you talking about? This present world, like, is there another world? That's what that's insinuating. There's another world other than the one we're currently living in. And most of us are oblivious to this. But unless, now listen to this, unless you understand this, you cannot understand, take hold of the life that is life, right? Because the two are connected. And so we need to begin to understand this. When Paul used this terminology in this present world, it was, it was a revelation. And it's revelation to some of you guys sitting out here. Like, what do you mean there's another world? <laughs> Then the one I see, the one I touch, the one I'm aware of? Yes. Yes, there is. And, and Paul wants us to understand that there is, right? And that we interact with that other world. And so he's bringing that for us. And he's saying, unless you embrace this fact that there is this other world, this other uh, you know, entity out here, then you're not going to be able to truly move in the freedom that God has given to each and every one of you. You can't build and invest your life and make good decisions. You see, it all predicates on understanding this concept of the other, the, uh, the other world that exists and the connection. And now knowing that, let's start to look at some of these scriptures here. I've highlighted them for you. When he commands us to those are rich in this present world, it says don't be arrogant in your wealth, right? Because we tend, that's our lean into we tend to put our hope in wealth, in, in houses and incomes and things that are here. That's the tendency that we have. That's why Apostle Paul speaks about it. He says, in this world, you tend to do that. In this present world, he goes, but I don't want you to do that. Right? He says, put your hope in God who richly provides for everything, for your enjoyment. He wants you to enjoy the things he's given you in this life. But he says, it's not just for your enjoyment. It's so that you can make a difference with your life. And then he begins to show us, well, what exactly does that look like? He told us here on this second command, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. All of a sudden, he's got these three things that I see here that he's laying out before us. So when we're learning how to walk and, 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 and make a difference in this life, right, the fruit, and we see them here, he says, you should, you should see good deeds around your life. You, you should be generous people. You should be willing to share. See, these are the fruits, right? So he's talking about that. Now, I highlighted this because this just like, I went, oh, man. He goes, why are we doing these things? Not so we can be goody two-shoes, right? But here you go. In this way, when we do these things, in this way, look what happens. We lay up treasures for ourselves. That's what happens. We lay up treasures for ourselves. See, I know that this can be, again, confusing. Like, wait a minute. I'm doing these things, but somehow that's a treasure to me. Well, what exactly? Because if I had, like, you know, $50, and I decided to give it to, you know, the homeless. I lost my $50. I no longer have that. 
right? So that's an exchange. So I have less. But you're saying I now have treasure. So what are you talking about, Paul? Right? He's talking about this other world. He's talking about this other world. He's saying to you and I that if we could understand this other world, right, this one that exists here that most of us do not acknowledge and we do not live for, but if we did, it would trans just translate into a place where we just would totally be motivated to do things differently. And so this other world that he's talking about here, he's saying that when we do these kinds of acts, it's an exchange. So it's not like you lose it. I don't lose the $50. It gets relocated. Where, Sharon? It gets relocated in heaven. It gets relocated into your chest, into your treasure chest. And that's the chest that goes in and your deeds and your generosity and your sharing, they go into this, this, uh, this treasure chest, right? Now listen, this treasure chest isn't just for like storing all kinds of stuff, right? No, no, no. What it does is it holds on to the life that is to come. And that's a lot longer on that side <laughs> than it is here. Right now, it's just a puff. It's a mist, and it goes away. It's a window in time. And so we need to know that this life that we're now living in is all preparation for eternity, where you will go and where you will be. This is a radical message. So when the Apostle Paul is teaching it, if we could grab hold of it and actually dare to believe it, it changes everything. It changes the way we, we live, the way we give, the way we, we uh, serve. It changes everything because I began to see that I am not serving people for my own good, but I am serving them because that's laying up treasures for myself. That's the best investment that I can make. Do you see that? Now, Jesus talks about this a lot, right? And I know that as I'm talking to you, we tend to stay in the temporal what we can see, what we can feel, what we can hear, right? And so we want to stay there, but Jesus teaches us in the Gospels, no. He always confronts it to, to get us to shift our eyes onto the eternal, right? For the kingdom of God is such. You hear him say that often, right? And so I was thinking about uh, this uh, 
verse that I just read in John where his disciples come to him, come to Jesus, and they're really discouraged. And Jesus talks to him, talks to them, right? They want to talk about why they're discouraged. But you know what Jesus does? He goes, ah, that's temporal stuff, right? Immediately he looks over and he says, no, no, no. Listen, what's really important is that my father, right, in heaven has making, you know, he's preparing a room for you, a mansion for you, right? If there were not so, then I would, I'm going there to prepare, you know, prepare that for you. And so he's always like, look into eternity. That's where it's all, that's what it's all about. And so you and I, we need to get used to that. We need to go, oh, okay, I get it. So I'm here in this life, in this physical body. But yet there's a part of me that is hooked into eternity when we accept Christ, right? And the, the rewards are being put there right now, and we need to recognize that, right? We need to recognize that, and that we'll be held accountable for how we spend things. So I got to thinking, it's time. It's time. So I want you to examine how you're spending your time, right? And here's just four things. I could have gave you a lot, but these four things are just, I think, things we all wrestle with, okay? First one, it's time to take control of our schedules. Take control of our schedules. We are all super busy. I mean, super, super busy. Yet I think that God wants us to take care of our, our schedules. Why? Because that's our life. It's like, it's like if I talk to you about money, you go, oh, yeah, I get it. I got a wallet. I got it here. But no, no, no. Your schedule is your life. You're pouring it out. And so God wants you to take account of how are you spending it. And matter of fact, the scripture tells us here in Psalms 90, it says, teach us to number our days, to number them, to be acquainted with what they are, and to recognize how few, that's an eye-opener, how few, right, they are. And help us, oh dear Lord, help us to spend them as we should. Help us to spend them as we should. You see, that's important. Right? I believe that how we spend our time is, is just pivotal. It's, it's just so important. Um, matter of fact, I think that we can do God's bidding and, and we can fulfill our purpose by sharing and, and working with people. I think that's a big way we can do this. And in our schedules, like I said, I know you're busy. I know you're doing a thousand and one things. You know, work is crazy and you've got all these reasons why not. But you know, those things that you're you're putting in that place, right? They might be good, but are they really making internal differences, right? Here's what I mean by that, right? Here's what I mean by that. I think that uh, what we do here matters. And so I was, I was thinking about a conversation I had with, uh, with a guy, right? Uh, Andy and I and some of the staff, we went to a, a conference at a church that was huge, right? And so we were a little late, <laughs> thanks to me. And so we parked, but we parked in the back of the parking lot, right? It was a good like 10 minutes jaunt or 15 minutes up uh, to get to the sanctuary, you know, for our conference. And here comes this little guy, right, with his, uh, one of those little tram cars. You guys want to ride? I'm thinking, yes, I don't have to walk, right? And so we all got in there. Now, here you go. The interesting thing was that as we were going, this guy was talking to us, and I got to find out a little bit about him, and he turned out to be a brain surgeon, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking, why is a brain surgeon driving the tram, right? Well, I mean, my goodness, I know you're busy, right? And, and then he started telling me, he goes, you know, it, I do a lot of work for people, and I know it helps them a lot. He goes, and, and sometimes 
uh, you know, it goes well, and sometimes it doesn't. That's the nature of it. He goes, but when I do this, Sharon, I'm always certain that I'm helping people into eternity. I said, what? He goes, yes. He goes, because I get a chance to pick up somebody and take them to the auditorium. And in that process, I'm praying. And if they let me, I'll talk to them because I want their heart to be at ease. You see, I believe they give their life to Christ, and I'm part of that, and I'm making an eternal difference. I thought, dag, <laughs> where do you sign me up, right? Listen, he got it, though. He understood that, that his time was valuable, but then he made a space for it because he wanted to make an internal, you know, an eternal impact, right? And how we do that here is we do it on our dream team. We do that. We do that here on our dream team. And what that is, for those of you that are new, our dream teamers are people that have chosen that this is their church home. They've gotten out of the grandstands. They came down to the playing field. They've, they've signed up to help, right? And so they, they're all over the place. Uh, you see them everywhere, right? And so they come in, and they could be holding a baby. They could be putting the signs out, or they could be making you a cup of coffee, Right? But these dream teamers understand that they're part of what God is doing here. And so let me tell you this. If you are new and you don't have a part to play, and if you think this is God's church for you, you need to, you need to jump ahead. You, you need to go to growth track. You need to figure that out. And we'll help you. It's every Sunday, right? And you can start, growth track one starts in November. And so you can jump right on there. But let me say this. Those of you that are dream teamers, I'm so proud of you. Because of your, your help in working together, we have seen 120 uh, salvations this year so far, right? Those are people that made a decision for Jesus, right, that um, filled out a card and let me know that they did that. Now, I tell you this because it's not about me. It's not about Andy, our speaker. It's the we. It's about a we. It's about us, what we're doing. So I guarantee you those 120 salvations that were, were uh, confessed here, right, they are accredited to your account, Gene Teamers. They are part of your treasure trove that awaits you in heaven, right? And so I want to make sure you have this right mindset that that's what God is doing. And we're getting ready just to ramp up things around here because the holiday season's just going to come like a flood, right? And so, again, this is, this is a great time to jump in. Don't sit in the grandstands, guys. Come on down, and let's see what God has, right? And so we need to know we need to take uh, control of our schedule, which is our life, right, and make sure that we have places to serve in that. All right, the next thing I want to share with you is to be able to rethink what I allow to enter into my mind, to, to, to think about what are you letting into your mind, right? This is important because our culture hits us 24-7, right? And, and it's telling us what its values are, right? And here you go. Those of us that are Christ followers, our job is to have a filter on us, right? Is to have a filter. We need to have like this built-in radar gear that goes, hmm, these things I'm doing, are they laying for me treasures in eternity, right? We need to be starting to ask ourselves these things. And this is important because God loves us and he gives us so many blessings that sometimes we get sidetracked and we have to be careful, right? For it's his scripture that tells us, I have the right to do everything, you say, 
because I hear this all the time with people. I'm in charge of my own life, right? Well, you are. You are. But look at this. But not everything is beneficial. It doesn't benefit you to do it. You can do it, but it doesn't benefit you to do it, right? And then it says it again. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Not everything's going with you into heaven. And so you've got to really start to think about this eternal perspective here, right? And then if we thought we weren't like slain with that, then the apostle Paul, he throws down like an ace. Boom, right? Here's his ace. No one should seek their own good. Oh, my goodness, right? But the good of others, it's, it's, it's the great, great, uh, you know, commandment that's coming into play here, right? That not only are we to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but what? You're to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's what we're seeing is pointing right back to people and saying, we need to be active with people. And I know they're messy. People are stinking messy, are they not? Right? Sometimes I had my fill with it. Right? And then God goes, but I haven't, so get back out there, girl. Right? This is what God does. This is what God does. And so he wants to encourage us that we need to be about our father's business. Now, here's the plain truth. How could you be about your father's business if you do not know what it says, if you do not know what he's saying, if you haven't read the owner's manual, which is the Bible, how do you know how to operate it? How do you know how to choose value A over value B? You don't know. That's the point. You don't know. And when we give our life to Jesus Christ, he says that we are to go undergo this transformation of thought, a a switching of values. You see, I, I run into so many Christians and they're confused. And then when I inquire, it's because they don't read the Bible. They're not spending time. And I know it can be hard, right? But there's got to be this time in your life because it has eternal impact here, right? Where you got a line in the sand and you just got to cross over it and say, God, I'm going to put, I'm going to put this down in my schedule. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to have my mind transformed. For that is what the Father is asking of us. And that's hitting a lot of people in here. And it says here, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's his value system. And his value system is coming at you at nauseam. It comes in the TV. It comes with advertisement. It comes in school, right? It comes everywhere, and it's being pushed at you. And how do you know if they're right or not? Well, you don't. Now, here you go. Here's the key in how you can tell. But to be transformed, this is you and I. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? We have to have our mind renewed. We need to know what God says is a value. If you don't, then you get lost. You get confused, it's so confusing out there. Up is down and down is up, right? Left is right and right is left. And it just, it confuses people. But when you have an anchor, when you stake into the ground, into the word of God, you are not movable. You begin to understand it. You begin to understand what God has for you. And it's only there in the anchor of his word can you do this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. See, other than that, you cannot. We must have our minds renewed, and that is your responsibility. That's yours. Now, I can tell you the very first thing when you read the Word of God, what it tells you, it says, and it calls to all people, it says, you are, you are people that have gone astray. You are people that are separated from me because of the sins that you were born into, the sins that you participated in. 
And you and I, we need to understand that. We need to understand that there's no amount of good work that can ever get us into heaven, could ever get us right before our God. That is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us. And Jesus came willingly and died on the cross for us. You see, how do I know that? Because the word tells me over and over again, right? It tells me it's not by my works. least I shall boast and say, aren't I good? But it's by the confession of my mouth that I ask Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of my sins. It's by my mouth that I declare that he is the leader of my life. That's where the power of God comes in. That's the power of God there. And so these thoughts I'm having and what I'm saying to you, they're all based out of God's word. They are not my ideas. They are his ideas. And so for those of you that are far and you're far from your father, God, he brought you here to hear this message because you matter to him. Those that are watching online, same thing. Same thing. You might not be in this auditorium, but you are listening for a reason and a purpose. Your God loves you. And today I'm going to give you the opportunity to upright yourself and to come close into the Father God who is calling you home. He's calling you in a relationship with him. Don't miss it. Don't miss it because he's here. He's here and he's calling your name. Now, guys, I've talked to you about it's time to not only control our schedules and watch what goes into our mind, right? But here you go. It's time for us to organize our finances too. Right? It's such, finances are such a big part of who we are, right? And we need to know that, that we have a finite amount of finances also. Even though we're rich, uh, we, need to, we need to be thinking through how are we spending that? What are we doing right, with that? As a matter of fact, it says here in this uh, verse here in Proverbs, it says an intelligent person, you won't want to be intelligent, right? Okay. An intelligent person aims at wise action. In other words, they have a plan. Okay, but a fool starts off in many directions. And so what I want you to see here is with the blessings that God has given us, right, and he has given us many, there's a responsibility that comes with it to make a difference in life. And if you're not organized, right, in your, your finances, if you don't think through what you're living on, what kind of person you want to live on, or how much you want to give and how much you want to save, if you're just the spur of the moment, I'm going to do this or that, and what ends up happening is you do not plant well in the kingdom of God. And so there needs to be this strategy, this thought process that you need to be involved in. And listen, listen, it's, it, it's not just about your finances. It, it's your resources are our finances, but there's so much more, right? There's some, they're all the things that God has given you and blessed you. you. You have to figure out how to leverage those for the kingdom of God. Like, like here, here's how simple it could be. Like, my guys and my, the boys, right? I'm the only girl in my home. <laughs> okay, so those guys, they love chocolate chip cookies, right? They, and I got a tub in, in my refrigerator. And, and you know what? Those chips, those chocolate chip cookies that I bake for them, I, I got them for them right? It's to bless them because I love them. I care about them. But I just wonder, what if I decided to leverage what I have, and I have that bin of, of chocolate chip cookies, right? What if I decided to cook those up and then go next door and invite my neighbor, who's a, a single older guy, to come over, right, and, and have chocolate chip cookies with me and my family? I just wonder if I leveraged it for that while we're sitting there, if I couldn't tell him a little bit about me as he's telling me about himself, 
If I couldn't say, is there anything I can pray for you about because I'm a Christian and I'll be diligent to pray over that for you. Do you see? I leverage even the chocolate chip cookie bin for God, right? I wonder if we did that, if in that intentionality, if I really understood that that chocolate chip bin was not just given to me and my family for enjoyment, but it was there to be used to leverage the kingdom of God so that I might win a soul or I might connect with a soul. Now, do I think I'm going to do it all? No, but I'm going to plant a seed, and God will honor that seed, right? And I can do it through a a little chocolate chip cookie. And so what I want you to see here is that our call is to understand that this life isn't all that we see that there's a spiritual element that's going on, and we need to leverage what we have for the kingdom of God. We need to be thinking along those lines. And, and it can't really happen without a strategy. Everybody needs a strategy, right? And I know I'm talking to some people in here, and you go, strategy? I hate that word. <laughs> I'm a free spirit. I just want to run and wee-hee, right? But no, you need to have a strategy so that you make sure that you hit the things you want to hit in this life, Okay? Here you go. There's a strategy I see here. That's why I brought it to you. In 1 Corinthians, it says, On the first day, which is Sunday here, right, of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, when I said set aside, that means that you've pre-thought through you want to take some of your income and you're going to set it aside for something, right? And here you go. I don't, I, this is where the strategy comes in. Not everybody's going to do the same thing, Right? Here's the thing that we know, that it's not equal giving but equal sacrifice. In other words, that God's more interested in what are you going to do with what you have, right? And so that's why he said it's in accordance with your income. Then it says, save it up, right? You're going to save it. And so when I come in, this is Apostle Paul talking. When he's coming, he has to make no collections will be need to be made. So what he's basically doing is he's laying out a strategy. You and I, we need a strategy, We need a strategy, guys. We need to be thought through. Now, here's a strategy that I happen to like that works for us, right? Here's a strategy that that I'm going to suggest you be percent givers. Well, what does that mean? Well, that just means that if you have X number, then you decide, you know, X number of income, then you decide how much you want to uh, percentage-wise for to go out, you know, to make it all make sense, right? And so your giving has a percentage, your, your uh, savings has a percentage, and your, you know, how you want to live has a percentage. And you don't move off, you know, that right away, right? You set that in motion is what's going to happen. And I encourage you to do this as a family, by the way. Big dividends with kids, especially the older they get, right? It teaches some valuable lessons here. And so you sit and you let them to be part of it. And I know just as soon as I'm saying that, some of you go, wait a minute. I thought the church was supposed to get 10% because that's what the Bible says, right? You're supposed to bring the 10% into the house of God. Well, yeah, but that's Old Testament. That's old. Now, hear me out. That's Old Testament stuff, and that's true. But, you see, I don't think it's that that wasn't about a percent as much as it was about the heart of people, putting God first, right? He wants you to put God. He wants you to put him first, that's what that's about. Because in the New Testament, he ups the ante, man, oh man, right? He, he wants my whole entire life. He starts to revolutionize my thinking is what happens, you know? He wants all of me, not just a little 10% I slip over here. He wants it all. 
So I have learned that the 10% is a good place to start because that's where I started, right? And I got practicing that. And then he's like, Sharon, you love to be generous. I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, well, I'm going to show you where this goes, but I want you to set a percentage aside. So I did. I said, okay, God, here's this percentage, you know, for just giving. And then he would show me the places he wanted me to sow that. Do you see that? And so this is how God works with us if we will allow him to, right? But you have a strategy that comes, uh, comes with it, and you need to figure out what your strategy is. And I can guarantee you, the money and things that I give out, I can never outgive my God. You see, I'm a grateful person. I know what he's done for me, okay? I know it, I know it, and I know it. And so for me, I also believe every time I, I give, right, I, I like to sponsor uh, some young people in school, right, to go to school. Well, when I do that, it's not for them. It's for myself. I'm laying up treasures in heaven, and I know it, and I know it, and I need it. You see, I need it because God wants me to be like him. And so these things that he calls us to do, we need to be doing them right? We need to have a strategy, and you have to figure out your strategy. I do have a small group that we offer here at this church, right? Uh, Mr. Morin runs it, and, and he used to be a bank person, and so he's got some great ideas how to help you, especially if you're in debt, right? But you want to upright yourself. You want to upright yourself. Why? So then when things come along, like our legacy weekend, you're not, you're not uh, strapped. You can participate, you know what my heart has been on the legacy weekend that's coming up? My heart has been, here we go, it's a biggie. It's what we call a BHAG, big, audacious, hairy goals, right? It's my big BHAG. My BHAG is that each and every one of you will participate. I don't care what you give, but just that everybody would participate. And in doing that, we would be able to move the legacy team's goals to help people locally and globally and, and nationally, that we would be able to move them in a direction, right? You see, I know that when we give to God's work, we can't outgive him. We just can't. And those things lay up treasures for, our, for what comes ahead, for the life that we are to be living, that we are getting in practice down here and we're sending it on ahead, right? And so I want to make sure that you know the importance of being able to, uh, to get some kind, of a, uh, some kind of an idea, an organization to how you're giving, that you've thought through it, that you've included the Holy Spirit in it, and that you've got your family, if they're with you, uh, to be a part of that. So then lastly here, I want to talk about living my life intentionally. I want you to live it with an intentionality, with purpose. I want you to give with purpose. I want you to serve with purpose. Everything should have a purpose, for nothing is lost in God's kingdom. Nothing. And so we need to understand that and, and with purpose look and focus on, well, what, how is this going to hit me? You know, how does this hit in eternity, Right? How's this going to hit in eternity? What, what's going to happen? And here's a, a scripture. It's a long scripture, but I tell you what, it really drives home what I'm talking about today, right? And we find it in Luke 12. It's the story that Jesus told, right? It says this, the ground, the, uh, ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He got a lot. He got like a bumper crop, right? And it says, he thought to himself, this is the man, what shall I do? I have no place to store all these crops, right? 
So he's looking, he's going, wow, I've got extra, extra. What do I do with it? I don't know. And then he said to himself, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Yes, that's what I'll do. I'll build bigger ones. And then I will store my surplus grain. Woohoo! right? If we had Time Magazine or Money Matters, he probably would have a little expose because he's done so well, right? And he'll say to himself this, and I hear this often with people, I have plenty of grain. I've got plenty in my 401K. I've got plenty in my savings. I've got plenty, you know, and so we tend to focus on those, and those things are not bad, but everything has a balance, all right? It says, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, right? He goes, now I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I hear that all the time when I'm talking with folks. I'm going to, this is good. I I can go on one more cruise. I I can, you know, go do this or do that. And again, those things in themselves are not bad, right? But again, God gives you gifts. He gives you things not for your own pleasure, right? You can enjoy those, but then remember people because that's where the rubber meets the road in my mind, right? And so we need to understand that. Now, this guy, he thinks he's done really well here, right? He's got it all figured out. I got plenty, and I'm a good, I'm a good saver here. I am set for life, except for, look what God says. But God said to him, you fool. Now, did he say that because he's rich? No, he said it because he didn't know how to use his riches. That's why he said that. He says, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. This very night, your life will be demanded. You see, he had all these schemes. He had all these ideas. He figured he planned it all out. Only the thing he didn't take into account was that he had no more time. He had no more time. And then here comes the dilemma that hits, right? Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who's going to get it? Right? And so that's the dilemma. That's the thing that hangs in the, in the wind. Like, who does it belong to now? And then Jesus comes in and he says this to you and to me. Right? He says, this is how I will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Holy cow. <laughs> right? So God is saying that we doesn't, he doesn't want us to be like this man. And as your pastor... I don't want that either. I get an F if you are, right? Because as a pastor, it's hard. I look out for you guys. I try. I don't always do it great, you know, everything right, but I try. I pray for you. I petition you. I'll prepare a lesson like this, even though it's not a popular topic, because I know my job is to prepare you that one day you will stand before the Lord. And when you do, I want to be that cheerleader standing going, yes, you not only made it because of the blood of Jesus, but look at all the treasures. Yes, Lord. And I want to be able to, to thank the Lord with you and, and to be with you. You see, I know the reality is there's another world that's up here that we're interacting with. Whether we recognize it or not, it's there. And the coming age means it's happening. And I, I tell you, we want to be prepared for that. That's an inevitability that's going to come our way, and we need to be prepared to give an account for everything that God has given us. And now, listen, if this is your church home, there are three values. 
that I want you to, to prayerfully, prayerfully believe in and walk in, okay? And here they are. The first one I value or we value as a church, stewardship over ownership. What? Stewardship. Stewardship over ownership. See, stewardship is I own nothing. Stewardship is I, I'm a steward of things. So this house that I'm standing in, I'm just a steward. Not my house. Here you go. Blow your mind. The house that I have, right at, at 508 Havilah, the house I have is not my house. I'm just a steward. What do you want to do with it, God? Right? When we begin to understand that everything we have is a blessing that God gives us, and it is his, and I'm only the steward, then I stop asking myself, what do I want to do? And I start asking God, what do you want to do with this? I stop trying to please myself, and then I start to please my God, and I read his word so I understand what does that look like. So I become a steward. I begin to understand what it means to be a steward and not an owner in this world. The next one is we value people over possessions. I say it at nauseam, people. It's about people. It's about people, right? You see, possessions, they all burn up. They go away. And none of you have ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You cannot take it with you. Everything gets left here. It's the people that we touch. It's the people that we invest in that makes all the difference in the world. It's people that will be standing with us in all eternity. So we take everything that we can and we leverage it towards people. In our church, yes, but outside our church, in our community, in the world we live in, that we value people. And to that end, we're going to keep pushing on that one. And then we also value eternal as opposed to temporal. And so I'm going to continue to remind you who you are, that you are children of the God Most High. You see, I think the biggest disillusionment we have is that this life, this earth is our home. And it is not. It is not. All you are are sojourners. You're just a sojourner. You're just hanging out here for just a little whisper of time. That's all. And while we're in this place for just such a short time, let's remember that we are eternal beings and that everything that we have, all the blessings we have, need to be leveraged to the kingdom of God whatever that needs to look like in your life because you want to have that good answer on the day that you stand before God because you want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You want that, right? We all want that. Bow your heads with me. Yes, Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're present here. And I ask now, Lord, that you would continue to move amongst your people. Yeah. I thank you, Lord, for the, the work that you've been stirring in their heart. <laughs> I didn't do that. God says that he's stirring this work inside of you because this is the masterpiece he's creating. For you, yeah, I hear that. It's ting, ting, ting. Uh, he is chiseling away at your heart, at your very being so that you might look like his image. God says that is your destiny to look like him. And only if he takes and chisels away can it be seen. And so Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and that you would continue to work with your people. I know you love them so. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would answer their heart's cry where they feel uh, confused and conflicted. 
that you would speak to them, Father, as you do me, that you would honor us with that. Mm -hmm. And those of you that are here and that you feel far from God or you're watching online, I said it before that you matter to God and that's why he brought you here. And now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and I know we're getting ready to end the service, but listen, I can never end it without giving you an opportunity to come home. Some of you are so far from God. Oh, I hear some of you are running. You're saying, yes, I want to come back. I want to be with Father. I, I don't know how to quite get there. My, my mess is pretty big. But listen, God says he doesn't care. He'll take you anyway. Because it's the blood of Jesus that will cover over all of those things. And so for those of you that are in this auditorium and you want to pray with me, I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be brave. I'm not going to ask you to run up here or do anything crazy like that. But I am going to ask you to raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying with today. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is because it's deeply spiritual. Not just gives me like, oh, yes, okay, I know who I'm praying for. But it also is a pushback in the spiritual realm. And those online, I haven't forgot you. There's a way that you can hit a button that says, I gave my life to Christ today. I raised my hand. And you'll want to do that. So those of you in the auditorium are online. I want you to make a motion towards the Lord, right? So you can just slip up your hand if you're here. And so I can see you. Mm hmm Mm-hmm. Okay, you can put your hand down in the auditorium. Those of online, God sees you. God loves you. He's right there with you in that room. I see that on your phone. He says he's right there with you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you continue to move. Now, those of you that raised your hand or hit that button or wish you had some way of doing it, I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you're at. You just say to yourself, because God is listening, just say, Father God, whew, I've made a mess. But I need you. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. I, and I ask you, Jesus, the best way I know how to be the leader of my life. Come. Come and be with me. Come and teach me how to be your daughter, how to be your son. Holy Spirit, for those that were praying that prayer, your word tells me that you seal it in their heart and that you write their name in the book of life and that no man, no circumstance can switch it, can take it from you. So, Father, I thank you for these things. I thank you for the constant reminder that we are sojourners in this life. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to talk to your people, that you would continue, Father, to uh, groom them to the day that you call them home. And whether you come, and oh, how I would love to see you, Jesus, coming in on that cloud. <laughs> I would love to see it. But even if I don't get to see it, I know that I will stand face to face with you. And I know I'm good, not just because I have Jesus' blood, but I'm good because I've kept my eye on eternity, Father. Would you teach your people to do that? Help me to be their cheerleader, Lord, so that they might not ever forget. For you are merciful and you are kind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.